Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we're all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want to get more information about what is going on here at the Met, then head over to our website, metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected to you throughout the week through social media. So please be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now please enjoy the message. the course of the summer took a plane trip you flew out somewhere how many did that over the summer did you how many of you did a train trip we actually had people that did on went on a little train trip yeah we saw a few of you did that huh how about a road trip you just got in the car and you just got out of dodge you did a road trip that great how many of you did the guilt trip over the summer you had an opportunity to do that yeah some of you did that maybe i can help you with a little bit of that this morning uh but i promise you no matter uh, what your mode of transportation was over the summer when you got out of town there was a technology that was employed to get you from here to there called GPS. Now, we're so common, we're so used to that, but I didn't grow up, there was no such thing as GPS. It was pull into the Texaco or the Shell or the Mobile and go in and buy a map, right? We were old school. And then you unfolded that thing. You remember how hard it was to get that thing folded up again? Just next to impossible. My mom was always a navigator, right? That was her job. She would tell my dad, take the blue road one inch over to the red road and go down two inches. That was generally how that all went. But now it's an amazing thing, this GPS technology, as we're all familiar with it, it's amazing technology. It's incredible. You just simply dial in your destination. It'll take it a few seconds, and it's calculating the best route for you to go. It'll give you some options. And then have you noticed it's always a female voice that's talking to you to keep you on course. Have you noticed that? Now, I've been told that you can get a guy's voice, but who would want that? The point is, the point is they've actually done studies and they determine out of these studies that people respond more to a woman's voice. Is that interesting? Now, if you're married or you're in a relationship, you understand that completely. We do respond to her voice. Maybe it has to be at a certain pitch, but we do respond. But the point is that uh, they have done those studies and this voice is there to keep you on course. Now, your destination is set. This is where I'm going. But along the route, along the route, there are things that you will encounter that are unexpected. You, you may go through a construction zone. Uh, there may be an accident. There may be a weather-related event. Or have you ever turned her voice down in the car and just tried to wing it and found yourself hearing this voice when you finally turned her back up saying, uh, the, the next opportunity, make a legal U-turn, you know, you, you moron or something, you know. Or maybe she says, in 300 feet, stop and let me out, for the love of God. But the point is, we've all been there, and, and the process when you get off course, or when the process comes when you're changing course, they call that rerouting, rerouting. Now, ultimately, you're going to get where you're trying to go, but to get you to where you're going to go, it requires rerouting. And can I tell you that's true of all of our lives. That's why we're calling this series Rerouting. Everybody in the room, you either have been or you're in the process now of being rerouted. Sometimes plan A doesn't work. The best laid plans, right? You lay those out. You say, this is where I'm going. This is how I'm going to get there. This is my journey. This is my path. And inevitably, life happens. The construction zone, the accident, the weather event, human error. And all of a sudden, plan A doesn't work. And so you find yourself rerouting. 
Now, you're still going to that destination. You're still moving toward what you've set out as your goal to achieve, but it's going to require a different approach. It's going to require a different road. It's going to require a different energy because you are being rerouted. And can I suggest to you as we talk about that this morning that God is in the business of rerouting us. Now, what I know about connecting with the creator, that's a straight line. It's a short distance. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says the way is narrow. So once you have connected to your creator, once you know Jesus, now you've dialed in your life's destination is heaven. I'm going to heaven. How do you know? Because I've connected with Jesus. He's my savior. I've received him as my savior. So my destination is set, right? Heaven is a destination. But the problem is between here and there, there's gonna be construction zones. Between here and there, there's gonna be weather events. Between here and there, there's gonna be human error. It's going to require between here and heaven for us to be rerouted. I'm so glad God is the God of the second chance. God is the God of the do-over. There is a plan B and C and D and E. God is a God who allows us that opportunity. And so the only thing I can find that will keep us ultimately from getting where we need to be in our journey toward heaven is if we just quit on the process. We just mail it in. We just pull to the side of the road and we shut the engine off and say, done. Because nothing can stop you until you quit. God won't. The devil can't. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just suggesting to you that you and I are immortal until he's finished with us. And the big takeaway, I hope, from my talk with you this morning would just be this. Just don't quit. Yeah, you're being rerouted. I'm being rerouted. We're, we're all in the process of going through things that we don't fully understand, nor do we completely agree with, but God is in control. The destination is secure. I know ultimately I'm going to be in heaven one day. That of that I am certain, and sometimes that is the only thing of that, of that I can be real certain about. But along the journey, you're going to be rerouted. Some of you this morning are off-roading a little bit. <laughs> Some of you are on the mountaintop enjoying the views and the vistas and you're saying life is great and this is wonderful. Some of you are in the valley and you've bogged down in some mud experiences of life. But all of us are somewhere in the process between here and there and God in order to get us there will oftentimes reroute us. If you look in the Bible, you will not find a single person who was ever greatly used of God who did not go through what I'm talking about this morning, being rerouted. Plan A didn't work, had to go to plan B. Relationship fell apart, betrayals happened, financial reverse, all this kind of stuff. Sickness happened, disappointments happened, uh, goals were not achieved. I mean, I missed what I thought I was gonna do. I made these mistakes, I failed. I mean, all of these things are gonna encounter us on our journey, but I'm saying none of these things can stop us unless we just quit. In fact, when Paul was writing to Galatians, he says, don't be weary doing the right thing because in due season, you're going to reap if you just don't faint. There's never a good time to faint. <laughs> Seldom people ever count on fainting. I've never met anybody that just planned to faint. I've told you I've done a lot of weddings and I haven't lost one yet, but I, occasionally I've had close calls where I've almost had somebody faint. I've heard stories of that. You never faint at the right time. There's never a good time to quit. 
That's all Paul was driving at in Galatians. He was just saying, man, just, just don't quit. And this morning, I want to show, a, a, show you a, an incredible passage in the book of Exodus of the children of Israel, how they left Egypt and they were going to the Canaan land. Moses had dialed in on his GPS, Canaan. <laughs> this is where we're going. And as they followed God and as he led them on the journey, you're going to see with me this morning that there were at least three distinct things that happened where God rerouted them on this journey. In fact, if you have a Bible, look with me in Exodus and we'll just kind of tee it up here. In Exodus chapter 13, the Bible here says, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them. Note the phrase, guide them. You think of GPS being guided. He's going ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by either day or night. Now get this picture. Here God is, his presence is in the pillar of cloud by day and then the pillar of fire by night. That's the GPS, the presence of God. Uh, and as long as they can see the fire, as long as they can see the cloud, they know they're exactly where they are supposed to be. Good times or bad times, happy times or sad times, easy times or difficult times. The most significant thing when you're in the midst of those kinds of times is can you see the cloud, can you see the fire? Are you connected to God? Are you in relationship with him? And if you are, are you walking in fellowship with him? Because what you're going through is not nearly as significant as who you're going uh, through, uh, through that circumstance with. And when you are partnering with God and he's leading you and guiding you, even though it may be a difficult place, you have the assurance, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be. Why? I see the pillar of fire. I see the pillar of cloud. God's presence is with me. So I know this isn't a mistake. I know I haven't missed my turn. I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. This was a case with Israel. So they've left Egypt. They're going toward Canaan. That's the destination. And they're following the pillar of cloud and the fire so that they're right on course. But notice the first thing that they encounter. And, and as you journey with God, what you will encounter as well is simply what I'm calling detours. It involved detours. Here they all are. They're following after God. Moses is leading, pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. God's presence is with us. We're going exactly where he wants us to go. And the Bible here says, if you look with me in Exodus chapter uh, uh, 13, the Bible says, and Pharaoh let the people go and but note now God did not lead them remember it uses the word guide in the last now it's using the word lead he did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country though that was shorter now if Moses was plotting his trip and if Moses was planning his journey he would have said the best way to get to Canaan is through the land of the Philistines that's the way we're going to go but when they start following the GPS when they start following God's leadership that's not the direction he takes them he doesn't take them on the shortest route. He doesn't take them on what they perceive to be the easiest place. Instead, the Bible here says, God said, if they go through the Philistines' land, they're going to face war. In other words, they're gonna to have to fight their way through the Philistines. And the problem with that is, for 400 years, these people had been in slavery. They didn't have a military. These guys were, were, were farmers and, and tradesmen and, and, and bricklayers, and they didn't know anything about warfare. 
They weren't skilled. They didn't have an army. They weren't ready to fight. God was not saying, no, you're not going to get there. He's just saying, you're not going to get there right now. It's not going to be an immediate thing. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, God will lead you on a detour in life, and he will lead you around in life in such a way that he's not telling you, no, you're not going to get to your destination or you're not going to achieve your destiny. He's just saying, you may not achieve it on your time schedule. You, you may not get there when you thought you were going to get there. I mean, if God's going to grow an oak tree, he'll take 40 years. If he's going to grow squash, he'll take about 40 days. Depends on what you want. And here they were following God. And notice it now. The Bible says, note this phrase, God led the people around by the desert road. And when you study that in the Hebrew, what's indicated there is he led them in circles. <laughs> they went around in circles. Here God is leading these people and they're, they're circling. Have you ever felt like that's where you are in your relationship? Have you ever felt like that's where you are in your career? Have you ever felt like that's where you are even in your finances? You're trying to you know, plot your life and you, gotta, and you just feel like, man, I'm just going in circles. I'm chasing my tail. I'm just going two steps forward and three steps back. I don't feel like I'm making progress here. I don't feel like enough is happening here. If, if you've been there, you understand exactly what they're experiencing. And I just don't want you to miss this because sometimes in the great sovereign plan of God for your life, sometimes he will lead us not on the direct route, he will lead us, reroute us in circles. Now he's not keeping something from us. He's not keeping pleasure or joy or happiness from us. He's preparing us. He's saying, if you go through the Philistines, you're not ready for this. In fact, if you get this too quick, you won't appreciate it. If, if you get this without understanding the value of this, you may get discouraged by it and you may not be happy with it. So he's taking them on this journey where they are literally going round in circles. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to tell you, you're going to go through some experiences in life that are not going to make sense. I had a little time, I'd talk to you. You're gonna go through some things that don't add up and you're gonna go through some things that you feel are not fair. I go to the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job, and you read Job 23. Job was going through some things that made no sense to him. And in verse eight, he said, in the middle of this stuff, I look for God and I can't find him. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like when you pray, your prayers didn't get past the ceiling fan? <laughs> you just having a little dialogue with you? <laughs> you ever feel like and wonder if God hasn't just put you on hold and he's just not saying talk to the hand. You, know, you ever felt like that in your prayer life? Don't look so pious at me now. I know you've all been there. We've been there, right? And this is the thing Job was going through. He said, I look on my left hand. He's not there. I know he's at work, but I don't see him. I can't find, I can't sense God. I, I know he's here, but I just, I, I can't feel where he is. I can't see where he is. And finally, he makes this great declaration in Job 23, 10. He said, but he knows the road that I take. Job said, God knows where, you know why? Because God was directing him. Job said, he knows where I am. Remember the apostles when Jesus said, get in the boat and go to the other side of the, uh, the lake and I'll meet you on the other side. And the Bible says in the middle of that journey, they got into a storm and Jesus came to them walking on the water. He knew where they were. By the way, he sent them there. By the way, he knew a storm was coming. Job said, he knows the way I take. He, he's led me here. God has directed me here. Sometimes the best way you know you're not running with the devil is when you keep running into him. 
Have you ever noticed somebody said the road to success, you know you're on it when it's uphill all the way? <laughs> I'm just suggesting you don't mistake hard times or difficult experiences or heartbreaking or life-crushing experiences as being God's displeasure with you. Don't think God's unhappy with you because of what you're going through this morning. You may be exactly where you're supposed to be. You know why? Because you just look up and you see the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. The presence of God is still here. I know I'm connected to him, so I'm in a bad situation that makes no sense. It's not fair, but God, as Job said, knows the way that I take. And I love this expression. He says, and when he has tried me, When he's tried me, when he's done, whatever it is he's trying to do, when that all gets done, he said, I'm gonna come out of this as pure gold. It's interesting that he uses a refiner's illustration, pure gold. To get gold, they had to first go into the mountain and get the mountain out of the gold, and the next thing they had to do is get the gold, uh, uh, get the gold out of the mountain, the next thing they had to get the mountain out of the gold. And you know what had to happen for that to happen? It had to be crushed. Have you ever been crushed? Has your heart ever been really broken? You know, when you're getting crushed and when your heart is broken, sometimes you wonder, what's, what? What's God up to? I just submit to you that Job was understanding that it's a part of a process that is necessary. And when it's over, I'm gonna be better, stronger, pure, better equipped, for this journey God has me on. The the gold is crushed, and then you know what happens? The fire's put under it. You know why? Because the heat will bring out the impurity. The old school refiners would set over that mineral, and they had what they called a skimmer, and they would skim the impurities off of the top because the hotter it got, the more impurities would come out of the gold. God was purifying it. And you know what would happen with the refiner? They say he would sit over that mineral doing that process until he could see his reflection in the mineral. And when he could see his reflection in the mineral, he knew it was pure. We quote Romans 8, 28, right? For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. I've hung on to that, I'm hanging on to that. I believe that, many of you as well, in your life. Sometimes you have to look up to see the bottom of that verse. But have you ever read verse 29? Verse 29 of Romans 8 says, we're in a process of him, get this, conforming us into the image of his son. Meaning God is leading us through an experience, Job said this, purifying so that he can be seen in me. So who he is can be a reflection in my life. So I'm saying when you're going through the confusing, confusing moments, when you're circling and nothing makes sense and you know God's presence is with you and you know you're connected to your creator, just keep walking. Don't stop, don't quit, don't give up on the process. No, God has a reason. You're gonna get to Canaan. But it involves some detours. Let me give you a second thought. It involves some dead ends. Wow. The Bible says the next thing that happened is when you read on in the narrative, you see that they run into the Red Sea. (laughs) Wow, dead end. The Bible even says here in Exodus chapter 14 that Pharaoh is approaching them from the behind. So here they are between the devil and the deep blue sea. 
Here's the sea, the Red Sea. Here comes Pharaoh and all of his army. And, and the Bible says they're in a situation that humanly speaking, it is impossible. Have you ever been at a dead end? Humanly speaking, it's impossible. This is not gonna work. There's no way out. I can't get across this, over it, through it, around it. There's no time. I mean, maybe I could break and run, but I'm gonna have to leave everybody I love and care for behind, so that's not an option. We can't just swim across. Not everybody can swim. We're gonna lose all of our stuff. And God said, we're gonna bring stuff into Canaan, so I'm gonna mess up this whole thing if I take charge and try to do this my way. So they're at this dilemma. They're despairing. And they go to Moses and Moses goes to God and God says to him, and this is incredible, he says, don't be terrified, fear not. He says, don't be afraid. <laughs> he says, understand this, I know you're afraid, I know this is scary, but, but don't be afraid. Somebody told me, I hadn't counted this, somebody told me that there, uh, the expression fear not appears in the Bible 365 times. I said, I hadn't counted it, but I'll take their word for it. If that's true, and I think it probably is, that means for every day of the year, God says, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. <laughs> fear not. Zig Ziglar used to say, fear is just false evidence appearing real. My pastor who's in heaven today, Adrian Rogers, told this great story of they were building one of the buildings there at Bellevue, and so one evening after service, he was gonna cut through the new construction to make his way to his car, it's kind of a shortcut, and he went inside that, that, that new building, and the door had those closers on it that closed automatically behind him and, and latched, and so he's reaching for the light switch, and there's no light switch, so he couldn't find it, and then he reached for the handle of the door to try to go back out the other way, and their hardware wasn't put on on that side of the door, so he said, here I am in this dark room, no light, I can't get out. And he said, so I just stood there for a minute so my eyes could adjust to the darkness so I could navigate my way to the other door to find my way to my car. And he said, all of a sudden, as my eyes adjusted to the dark, there's a guy standing just a few feet in front of me. He said, man, my heart jumped up in my throat. And he said, I said to him, hello, I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm just making my way to the car. He said, the guy didn't say a word. He said, now he said, I feel my heart racing. And he said, I thought, well, there's no other way. I gotta go right by that dude to get to my car. So he said, well, sir, if, you'll, if you don't mind, I'm gonna slip on out here now and get to my car. He said, I took three steps and walked right into the mirror. <laughs> False evidence appearing real. Have you ever walked into the mirror? <laughs> I'm just saying, it's not that there's nothing to be afraid of and there's not that there's nothing that will terrify you from time to time, but your GPS, that voice from heaven is saying, don't be afraid. You know why? He knows where you are. He sees where you are. So he says, don't be afraid. Notice what else he said, just stand firm. Just, just stay the course. What did I say, don't give in, don't give up, don't give out? Just, just, just put, sometimes you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. So he says, stand firm and you'll see, note now, you're going to see something. You're going to see the deliverance that God is going to bring. You, you know what he was saying? God's not going to fail you. You know why God won't fail you is because he can't fail. He's never failed anybody. You'd be the first person to ever live in all human existence that he ever failed. He won't fail you. So the word from heaven to Moses is there's nothing wrong with your GPS. 
You're right where you're supposed to be. You're doing what you need to be doing. Now just move toward the water. And the Bible says as they stepped toward the waters, the waters parted and they went through on dry land. I heard a skeptical theologian once say, he said, well, that was actually not the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea, and at this time of the year, the water was only a few inches deep. That's how he explained it. I thought, well, then if that's the case, it's an even bigger miracle, because if you keep reading, Pharaoh's army was drowned in just a few inches of water. <laughs> how, was, how did that happen? Anyway, so God does his miracle, and it involved this thing of, of trusting him when you're faced with a situation that you can't possibly navigate your way through. Now here's the last thought. It involves some dry places. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 15, they, they come up without water. They're in the desert, there's no water. What's the analogy, the application? You're in a dry place. There's no refreshment. There's no replenishment. Like that French philosopher who said, I've got so much to do today, I just have to go back to bed. <laughs> you ever been that exhausted, that tired? I mean, you sleep, you wake up tired, your mind is just heavy. You're just depleted. And then the Bible says they come up on water and they can't drink the water because it's bitter. Now it just seems like God's messing with them. You ever felt like God's just messing with you? Uh-huh, you want it? Uh, nope, sorry, huh? You want it? Whoa, nope. I mean, there's a psalm, I think it's the 72nd Psalm that says, surely God is good to Israel and even to those who have an upright heart. But as for me, <laughs> you ever felt that way? God's good to everybody else but you? Well, this is where they were. They were at a place where they were kind of wondering, God, what are you doing here? And in the next verse, it talks about how, how Moses takes and cuts a stick and throws it in the water, which is indicating that one day that Jesus would die on the cross and he could heal the bitter experiences of life through his substitutionary sacrifice of the cross. But in that moment, when the stick hits the water, the waters became sweet. And when you read all of this, the Bible says it was there that he tested them. You know what God was doing in this moment on this GPS cycle? He's testing them. What is a test? A test is given to evaluate your readiness to be promoted. God was saying, are you ready for Canaan? I don't think you can handle it yet. I've led you around in circles some, I hit you at the dead end so you'd count on me, and now I'm gonna test you. I, I, by the way, the test is not given so that God will know where we are. He, he doesn't test you. Now, a teacher will give a class a test because they're trying to evaluate where, where the kids are. Because the teachers and the educators in the room would tell you there's no sense in bringing new material into the classroom if they hadn't learned what they've been taught. So if everybody fails, I gotta go back and teach some fundamentals. It's like the guy who the teacher gave him an F that time and he argued, he said, I don't think I deserve an F. And she said, I don't think you do either, but it's the lowest grade I could give you. <laughs> anyway, so when everybody fails, you know, that tells you something about oh, that we haven't learned. So the teacher is educated, but when God gives a test, it's not so that he's educated, he knows, he's sovereign. You know why he gives a test? So that we'll know. The test is not given so that he'll know. The test is, it's like being in the mall and you're trying to find a store and you go to the map. What's the first thing you look for on that map? You look for the red dot that says you are here. Because you can't get there if you don't know where here is. You ever call for directions? You say, where are you? Where's the house? Can't find you. They go, well, where are you right now, right? Because to get you where you need to be, they need to know where you are. And so Israel didn't know where Israel was. 
And so I'm suggesting to your heart this morning that God was simply testing them so that they would know where they were and they would know how strong their faith is. And by the way, you don't know how strong your faith is until it is tested. And again, I'll just say the beauty of the story is they reached Canaan. You know why? Because they didn't quit. They just kept putting one foot in front of the other. It's interesting, in 1902, 1902, the Atlantic Monthly Journal, their poetry editor, returned a batch of poems to a 28-year-old poet with this note, our magazine has no room for your poetry. So Robert Frost received all of his poems back. 1905, the University of Bern failed a PhD applicant when his mentor wrote these words, your dissertation is not relevant. And Albert Einstein failed. In 1894, an English teacher wrote these words on a 16-year-old's grade card. I quote, you are a conspicuous lack of success. And Winston Churchill failed. You know what the difference is in all three of those cases? They just didn't quit. They just kept walking. They just kept focused on the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They just kept saying, God, as long as your presence is with me, whether I'm in a detour or a dead end or a dry place, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. H.C. Morrison ministered in China for over 50 years. And when he came to retire, to return to the seminary, to live out his days there at the cemetery, a seminary, he got on the, well, some of them are cemeteries, but anyway, got on the cemetery. He got on the ship that was sailing toward New York Harbor. And when he got on the ship, he found out that President Theodore Roosevelt was also on the very same ship. Roosevelt had been on his famous safari where he kills some animals in Africa and so he was kind of thrilled to be on the same ship with the president, but he noticed what a commotion when they moved into the New York Harbor, what a commotion was made over the president returning from his safari and how there were fireboats there who were shooting water cannons over the ship and they sailed under it and thousands of people were there to greet the president. And Morrison said, my heart kind of sank a little bit because he said, Roosevelt goes and kills some animals in Africa and there are thousands of people here he said, I've given 50 years of my life in ministry serving people, and there's not one person here to welcome me home. He said he kind of thought that and couldn't get it out of his mind. He got on the train and he thought, well, I imagine when the train arrives at the station, the faculty and friends and family will all be there to welcome me home. That's what's gonna happen. And he said, man, he got to the train station. There was just one guy there. He didn't even know him very well. And Dr. Morrison said again, my heart was heavy. And I thought, Roosevelt killed some animals in Africa. Thousands of people welcome him. I've given 50 years of my life in ministry and there's nobody here to welcome me home. And then he thought, when he got into the little carriage, he said, well, surely when we get out to the cemetery, seminary, I did it again, I get to the <laughs> seminary and he said, I, 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 I arrive at my house. He said, surely they'll be there and they're gonna throw a party for me and they're gonna welcome me. And he said, once again, when he got to his home and he got up to the porch, there was nobody there. He said, my heart sank, and he said, man, Roosevelt killed some <laughs> animals in Africa, and thousands welcome him, and I've given all my life in ministry and service to other people, and there's no one here to welcome me home. And he said, all of a sudden, the most amazing thought flooded his heart and flooded his soul, and he said, I'm not home yet. 
He said, one of these days, I'm going to be home. He said, I'll step out into the presence of God. I'll walk down a street of gold under a cloudless sky. And he said, somebody will run up to me and turn and look at me and know who I am and hug me and say, you're the one who told me about Jesus. I'm here because of you. Morrison said, then I'll be home. Ladies and gentlemen, the road is rough. Thank you, guys. It's just been a rough week. The road is full of detours and, and dead ends and dry places. But the most important thing is can you sense the presence of God? As I do. And when you know you're where you are and you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, somehow or another, some point or another, it'll all work out. So you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and trusting God through the detours, through the dead ends, through the dry places. When the apostles saw Jesus work, they said, he does all things well. What I know is God is too good to do wrong and he's too wise to make a mistake and listen. I choose to believe that. I choose to believe it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for those of us who are on this journey between here and there, rerouting, trying to comprehend and understand the sicknesses and the difficulties that we face, the trials, the heartaches, the crushing experiences and the refining moments are all part of your plan. And Lord, we don't always agree with it. We always don't like it. And we recognize the fact you seldom ask our opinion on stuff. So Lord, we just, we just trust you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help people who are on a similar journey with me this morning strengthen their faith today. For those who have never received you as their savior, may they make that decision now. And for others who just need to be encouraged to keep putting one foot in front of the other, we walk by faith, you said, and not by sight. I mean, I pray this will be an encouragement to them to do that. For those who need someone to pray for them, I pray as soon as I dismiss, they'll make their way here to the front and allow someone to spend a moment with them and to encourage them and to, to pray for them. And Lord, in a few moments, I pray you'll bless the time that we get to spend with Logan and Katie as we ordain Logan into ministry. Bless that time. Thank you, Father, for the joy of knowing Jesus. And one day in your presence, we'll be home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week. 